So today I'm talking with uh, Pastor Benjamin. Yeah, so what, uh, what's, your, what's your full name and, and what's your role at Kijabi Hospital? So my full name is uh, Pastor Benjamin Kiyokomotuku. My role in Kijabi Hospital has been being the staff chaplain in the department of chaplaincy, but ideally dealing with the staff in the hospital, mm-hmm. uh, spiritual, psychosocial needs. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. One of my questions is, I don't think this role exists very much in, in America. I yeah. don't think it's normal to have a... <laughs> usually when people think of hospital chaplains, they think of what a lot of your teammates do yeah. is visiting with patients and visiting with families in crisis. But a lot of your work is with staff members. Yes. You know. Yes. I assume probably a lot of that work is in crisis. Maybe yeah. some of it's during peacetime. <laughs> yeah. Um, one of the main things that I think the hospital had in mind when uh, they advertised for the position was they realized that the staff get so much fatigued. And uh, while we have chaplains who talk to patients and chaplains who are assuring relatives and praying with them, no one does that with the staff. Mm-hmm. And so... Um, that's how the role came came up, and um, coming in, it was interesting. It was uh, one of those difficult things that you don't know exactly where to start. It was a new office. Um, I came in with also my um, senior, Reverend Ndivo, who was coming in as a manager. For both of us, it was new. Mm. And we what had year to was figure that? out. That was 2014. Okay, so you, oh, so we came together. You, oh, yeah. You were yes, just yes. <laughs> We are growing old. Yes. <laughs> yes, so that was, that has been, it's been mm. several years of a lot of experience, I think. Mm. Um, I have learned a lot being in, in, this, in this office. Mm. It's, it maybe is such an obvious question. It's almost silly to ask because yeah. I know most yes. people listening to this are medical. Yeah. But what are, what are the challenge for, challenges for being a staff, um, you know, a, a medical person in, yeah. um, in this yeah. environment? One of the greatest challenges is trying to understand people in their contexts. Um, a lot of times, the things that people struggle with at work, they carry them from home. Mm. And so it's that people have baggage they're carrying and that affects their productivity. Um, and secondly, as being a Christian institution, there is always the question of how do I integrate my faith and break the sacred secular divide? My, my faith and my, my profession, how do I integrate them? Mm. So that I am a Christian throughout and not just once in a while. Yes, because yeah. you're not here for yeah. eight hours being one thing and then home being another. Something I had to do for Friends of Gijabi. Yes. Um, they wanted a donation to be used only for secular purposes. Yes. Uh-huh. But there's not a delineation between... You know, secular and faith-based in Kijabi. Exactly. You know, it's, it's a CT scan yes. is not a Christian CT scan yes. or a non-Christian exactly. CT scan. It's sure. a CT scan and yes. it's part of the whole process of giving somebody healing. Yeah. And there's not such a clear de- delineation between somebody's body and their mind and yeah. their spirit. Exactly. You know? And that's what you guys are trying to address. Sure. And, and uh, I mean, a Christocentric approach to, mm. to life is ideally... Mm-hmm. Um, the mentality that we are looking at. Mm-hmm. That every staff who comes to Kijabe Hospital realizes that um, everything that we do, mm-hmm. we want to do it to the glory of God. Mm-hmm. 
yet they come with um, marital issues. Um, they have the baggages of, um, you know, relationships. They have baggages of families breaking up and, you know, economic issues. And so a lot of times you meet people here and you're asking yourself, so where exactly do I start? Um, but one of them, I think one of the refreshing facts uh, around my experience has been the fact that I don't, I realize that I'm not an end. I have the responsibility of pointing them to Christ. Mm. And so that makes the difference. And I think that has helped my work be a bit easier. That someone comes with an issue um, that is affecting their productivity, uh, affecting their delivery. Um, I want to point them to Christ as a solution to their issues. Um, another person who comes with doctors, uh, nurses have had a bad outcome and they need debriefing and then I'll need to come in and um, help with debriefing them and also supporting them psycho, psychosocially, psychospiritually. Um, all that has been happening around around this office, and it's a um, it's it's quite an interesting mm. um, adventure. I'll mm. call it. Wow. Yeah. So, what do you? Um, let's pretend I'm a doctor. Oh yeah. Yes. <laughs> um, yes. Yes. So, <laughs> so pretend I'm a doctor, or um, and 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 I've just made a mistake, or I've I've done something that led to a bad outcome. Yes. Um, what would you say to me? I would want you first to appreciate your limitation mm. as a person, as actually a gift that points you to God. Mm. Um, that or, that you realize that you are not the one who owns all knowledge. It is owned by God. And I think one of the most important things is when you give your best, uh, times it's not even your the, the the best there is that can ever be given so times your best will not always be the you know the best and so um i, I would want to help you come to that realization and i would want to walk you through your mind what what exactly is going through your mind what did you expect from yourself and do you think that you had greater greater expectations of yourself than you can actually do or did you rely on, you know, the the knowledge of God? Or, you know, are you getting to a place of self-blame? Just want to walk you out of that thought process to a place where you can actually say that it's okay at times to not know and be okay that you don't actually know. Be okay with it. Mm -hmm. So at the end of the day, I think what I want to bring out of your mind is the fact that you are not the solution to people's lives. You are a vessel that God uses. Mm. And together is, you know, you're doing the work that you're doing to help people. You you are also pointing them to his sufficiency and not your own. Wow. Yeah. So I, that's I, I, a, great a lot answer. of times. That's, that's really, really important. Um, yeah. I know that was actually a huge part of Ariana's journey. Yeah. Um, before we even came here, mm -hmm. I was getting some advice of that. The control that somebody has as a doctor yes. is limited. Yes. Right? Exactly. They can do their best. They can do the extent of their knowledge. Yes. But this person does not actually hold the keys to life and death. That's right. True. Exactly. Um, sure. And sometimes a person does their best and it yeah. doesn't work out and sometimes they make yeah. mistakes True. and the patient is fine. 
that's a true. Exactly. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. You make mistakes that you are really sure that they actually mistakes, but mm. you're wondering how this person is surviving and they're doing yes. very well. Yes. So I mean, the sovereignty of God mm. uh, out of the whole situation stands out. Wow. All right. So imagine I'm. I want to be a new Kajabi College of Health Sciences. Let's yeah. make me a clinical officer this time. Mm-hmm, so say I, j- I just finished my clinical officer training and I'm yes. hired up and I'm hired on at Kajabi. Mm-hmm. Who who do you want me to be in five years? And then what I don't know, what steps or you know how do you guys get involved in moving some somebody toward what you which yeah. you want them to be? One of the great designs that um, I mean I, I have realized works is that I every person who comes in we make that assumption that they are growing Christians mm. because they have professed their faith mm. as as Christians before they come here, mm-hmm. and so we want to build them to that place where they are going to learn to see the theology of medicine and understand it. Now I I call this ideally just. Uh, practical theology uh, mm. where you're trying to apply mm. theology into daily issues mm. and so even for journalism for anything that you get to do I believe there is a theology there's God's perspective of that mm. um, and so there must be a theology for security there must be a theology for you know all the disciplines including clinical medicine mm. and so we want to help people learn what are the basics of theology around suffering and what is God's perspective on suffering? Right there we're seeing Genesis all the way to Revelation. Mm. And we want this person to be able to see the world in the context of Scripture rather than doing it the other way around. Mm. Um, and so we want people to have that, that, that mindset. And so we take people through discipleship that helps them learn their place before God and learn who they are and how to grow in their faith. Mm. But have very important conversations as all this goes on. In mm. Conversations that, in, that include why do people suffer? Mm. Why do good people go through hard times? And why is it theologically correct for people to actually expect bad times and hard times? And so you want this person to be able to see mm. the world in the eyes of God. Mm. Um, we, You bring enough disciplines into it. You have ethics, you have Christian ethics, you have um, theology, you have medicine, and you're trying to see all that in the face of what does the Bible say about all these things? Mm. So that at the end of the day, when the clinician sits back and Mm. they are watching and they're looking at a patient five years after, they have all this information amalgamated in their minds and they're able to process and realize uh, this person beyond everything, beyond the cure and everything they need to hear about the love of Christ. Mm. And so ideally, that's the big goal. That's mm. the big goal that we have. I think, I think, again, in the secular versus sacred, I think some of this is lost. That A lot of the framework for medicine is based off of Christian theology of yes. suffering, yes. of compassion. Mm-hmm. The story of the Good Samaritan is, you know, pivotal in medicine. Exactly. Right? Yes. That yes. there's this idea, and we definitely practice this in Kajabi, right? Yes. Um, where anybody who walks through the door, we, well, we care for and treat, no matter their background, no matter where they came from. Yes. Um, it's the idea of loving 
our neighbor, whoever our neighbor is. And that's a fundamental, fundamental aspect of medicine that you treat without without judgment. You you don't withhold mercy from anybody. Exactly. But I do think that's a concept that emerged out of Christian tradition. Yeah. One of the main things that, that Christ talks about throughout, and it's even interesting when when he's talking about what is going to be happening, when he's separating the, the goats and, mm-hmm. and and the sheep, he's talking about at the end of the day it's going to be he's going to be saying, I was sick mm-hmm. and you never cared for me, you know, you never came to see me, I was in jail. You never came to ideally the Ministry of Mercy and Compassion. And he's saying that out of that, he's going to tell people, like, depart from me, ye workers of iniquities, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's very interesting that he actually gives that story to mm-hmm. talk about how he's going to separate, which mm-hmm. means that these things are very important, uh, not just, you know, to the world that we are in, but mm-hmm. in the Christian faith. It means that they are actually a manifestation of who we really are. If Christ is in us, then we will desire mercy. Uh, to give mercy. If Christ is in us, is the one working in us, we will give grace, even when it doesn't seem logical. Mm-hmm. We will do more than, and, and Christ will actually work in us to achieve this in, in us. So that's that's very, that's very, very, very important. Hmm. That's fascinating. Yeah. And I think there's, I think there's something so compelling about that. Yeah. Because some of our, um, okay, there's such a divide between what people say they believe, and then any kind of good action, right? Yes, yes, and yes. and there's so many examples of people talking and talking and talking and doing bad things. Yes. But then I see these people come here, and I think it's very refreshing for them to realize, yeah. oh, wow, there's people who are actually just doing things motivated by faith. Exactly. Um, rather than... Um, Faith is used as a as a weapon yeah. oftentimes, um, yeah. but here it's used as a, for lack of a better term, a bandage. Well, <laughs> you yeah. know the, the, that it's used to bring healing and it's exactly. used to bring wholeness. Two things I'm thinking at the moment about, of course, the source of morality and absolute morality. Mm-hmm. I mean, one of the writers of African theology talks about Africans being notoriously religious. <laughs> um, you know, even before the missionaries came, these mm. guys were, you know, you just walk through the forest and find this very big tree mm. and someone decides that if someone can make such a big tree, then there must be God and this must be his home, you yeah. know. <laughs> and so they would start making shrines around such places. Mm. And so they, they believe that there is a God mm. who is the source of morality, mm. right and good and all that. Uh, on, on the other side, I think we have a lot of relativism that has come out. I think out of much that I have been able to interact with, it points as to where do you believe is a source of morality? Why do you do the good that you do? I mean, are you doing good because you believe it's the right thing to do? Or you're doing good so that good is done to you? And so a lot of the people who come here, including Muslims, mm-hmm. there's actually a narrative that in Somalia and most of the Muslims who come around here mm-hmm. say that God lives in Kijabe. They believe that the Christians in Kijabe are actually Christians mm-hmm. um, who manifest the living God. Um, we usually have in the waiting areas some preachings that are given. And one of the times, a Muslim who's been keeping a relative here, who's been unwell, realizes that the the pastor who is supposed to come to preach there 
uh, around 12.30 has not come. And so they go to look for them <laughs> and tell them, man, I didn't see you today, what happened? We were waiting for you. We were waiting for you to come and share. I mean, that, that just shows you that there is a great expectation of the people who come here, mm-hmm. that, that Kijab, there is something very fascinating about Kijab. And so um, how best would you do that than support the, the staff who are supposed to be that, mm-hmm. um, that those vessels that, that God is supposed to use? Mm-hmm. I've had patients say that to me before. Yeah. Um, and say, why are you here? Mm-hmm. Um, and they say, because you will pray for me. Yes. The doctors here will pray for me. Yes. And that's yeah. a big deal. I have been involved in interviews, and a mm. lot of people keep talking about mm. that. Um, you know, I've heard about Kijabi. I've heard that, you know, even before you start a surgery, you know, they pray for you. Um, they, they encourage you that I want to be part of such a team. And so, I mean, just... just Keeping encouraging such mm. culture is one of our greatest uh, responsibility. Mm. Yeah, yeah. That's awesome. You know, you answered one of my questions because one of one of them was going to be how you how you endure how you personally walk through challenging situations. Yours is just realizing this is not it's not my responsibility to fix it. Yes, it's my responsibility to to listen and share and to but to. Point. point them to Christ. Yeah. I like music though, um, mm. so a lot of times in the evening I, <laughs> I, I go find my guitar and try to just write things that look like abstract but I know what they mean, yeah. uh, just trying to take it out. Yeah. You know, you come through difficult times and you get to a place where you're totally alone and you want just to cry, you know? <laughs> <laughs> like, just take it out when you feel like it's just too much. Mm. One of the things that we need a lot in the hospital is a clinical psychologist. Mm. Because we have faced a lot of our people, our students, who are in need of that. Mm. Because we've tried to collaborate with guys who are able to manage such people. And I've gotten to the part that I I think I I should just do it. Because I also need that, that bit to understand exactly how... How do I manage all these things and how do I also help the staff? We're getting to places where people can get disorders mm. and mental health is something that no, nothing much has been done around. Mm. Um, and so one of the, my greatest goals this year is just to just heighten the, mm. the thoughts around mm. mental health. And, and when you say nothing much is done around, that's in, that's in Kenya, in not Kenya, just in Kijabi. Idea, not just in Kijabi. No. Um, I think if... I, I don't know the statistics right now, mm. but we, we hardly have a clinical psychologist here. So you'll actually give um, advice you'd share with people and you cannot manage, you cannot prescribe, you can't do anything. Mm-hmm. We end up sending them to Kenyatta. Some of them are students, some of them are staff, and you're feeling, um, I wish I probably just knew more. So keep reading much around that. I mm. have also been been reading much about theodicy i've been reading much about um ethics Mm -hmm. and 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 trying to use all that knowledge but i think Mm -hmm. i've gotten to that place where i think i just need to just Mm -hmm. go ahead and and do it Mm -hmm. um because i think it would add a great value um Mm -hmm. we not just for the stuff but we also get even patients Mm -hmm. we get patients who come having tried suicide and mm. you can already tell that they are actually 
in disorders, borderline disorders and all the kinds yeah. of disorders and you feel we don't have the capacity to do, deal yeah. with this. Yeah. yeah, and that's actually an important framework yeah. that should not be a given here yeah. um, because I think in a lot of churches, yeah. answers have always been spiritual exactly. to mental health problems. Sure, Maybe there are sometimes, but a lot of them are an actual yeah. medical condition that exactly. needs a medical answer. And that's not to yeah. the detriment of yes. something spiritual, but exactly. it's just a realization of this that's is something happening in somebody's brain. And it's a process that needs mm. to be worked on. Yeah. So, so there's actually, there's what has happened to me. There is mm. a feeling, there is a, the belief that is attached to it, but there's actually the actual pain that yeah. needs to be processed. Mm-hmm. Um, and times that whole process is ignored. Mm. So at the end of the day, the rates of suicide are going really high. Mm-hmm. Um, at the end of the day, we, we, we see a lot of depression getting into people and they don't know that mm. it's even depression. Mm-hmm. So hopefully if, you know, God gives us the, the grace, we'll be able to heighten the dissemination around, around such issues mm-hmm. and that people should not keep to themselves much. Um, they, mm. There's actually a way that we can deal with our issues. Mm. Yeah. Mm. It is something that will happen just not soon enough, I'm sure. Um, because I've heard with the with the new interns, yeah. the government is requiring them to do some psychology rotations or psychiatry rotations. Yes. The problem yes. is, yes. I think there's only three psychiatrists in the country. Exactly. You know, and when we have 47 <laughs> million people, um, so so, but I don't know. Yes, the chicken and the egg problem. It's you know. a big. It's a big problem. I mean, I know every theologian cannot be a medic, mm-hmm. uh, but 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 we can do what we can. Mm-hmm. Uh, with what is at our disposal. Yeah. And I think the most important thing is for me every day to go home feeling mm-hmm. that I gave my best. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Kabisa. Yeah. You said a word a minute ago. I wanted to come back to a seminary word theodicy. <laughs> <laughs> what is theodicy? Um, the concept behind theodicy is mm-hmm. the theology of suffering. Okay. Yes. Okay. Theology of suffering. Yeah. And in it, it carries a lot. It carries God's justice. It carries God's righteousness. It's how God has spoken around suffering mm-hmm. through Scripture, yeah. and how, what light mm-hmm. are we supposed to cast up? I mean, our worldview mm-hmm. as as Christians. I think that's it's one of the most important things. I think should be in every Christian institution. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. Yes, I'm trying to think about my <laughs> my own yeah. perspective on suffering. Yeah, I'd be curious what you think of this. Where I personally come to yeah. is, I will never fully understand why. Yes, but suffering is very real, and our call to action seems fairly clear. Yes. That our call to action as as people of faith, is to step into it, is to go towards suffering. Yes. And, you know, with whatever gifts or talents or abilities or resources to... Make it bearable. Yeah, exactly, to make it bearable. Yeah, that's a good way to phrase it, and try to carry somebody's burdens. Yes. Um, Because there are many things we can't eradicate, but presence is a big deal. Yes. I think it's suffering. Exactly, which is... I have a friend of mine who is an atheist. We went to high school together. Mm-hmm. And uh, those are actually some of the things that have 
you know, made him walk away from the faith mm. because he believes that religion is a cause of all pain there is in the world. Mm. Scripturally, we see a different source of pain mm. and looking at it, we are seeing, of course, the sin entering into mm. the world, mm. into a magnificent world. Mm. And at this point, a lot is happening against against humanity that mm. was never supposed to be. But whose choice was it? Mm. Um, who is responsible for the pain that, mm. and the suffering that all of us go? Mm. It's actually more of a wage that we are getting because, of course, the wages of mm. sin is, is death. And sin entered all the way mm. since Adam. Um, mm. And when we are looking at, at pain, our human minds teach us to look for someone to blame. Uh, and so you'll meet a lot of a lot of patients who are found who the person is that they want to blame. Like you can't say that God loves me and I've just lost my ninth pregnancy. There's no way that you can say that God cares about me. There's no way that we can say that God cares about me when I have never owned a child who is alive. I have gone through thirty surgeries. How do you say that God loves me? What is it that I did against him? And so there is a lot of pain that we're going through. And greatest premise that we need to be around is the f- fact that we're actually in a fallen world. Mm. And that, I mean, evil and pain happens because we are part of a fallen world. And mm. times we may think that you're not responsible about it, but think about Adam and Eve. That's a, you know, it's very easy for us to mm. throw the blame. But given the chance, I don't think we'd have done better. <laughs> don't, don't wow. That section is really good line in a new song um, that just came out recently. Uh-huh. It, it's kind of rewritten as if Adam had said, yeah. "You've put the apple back on the tree. We have everything we need." <laughs> wow! Wow! <laughs> exactly. I mean, there is no answer. Yeah, I mean, the lady who's lost a ninth pregnancy—that's a perfect example. Yeah. Because on some level, you know, what she what she needs in that moment is not a sermon. She needs somebody to love her. Just need yeah. exactly, and to love her because they want to love. And to say you are not, you know, you didn't cause this. There's not something. Yeah, it's not like it's not a, it's fault, a fault with you. Yes. It, it's not. This just this happened. Yeah, it happened. And it can ha- It could have happened to anyone. Yeah. Um, I mean, we are in a fallen world, and yeah, we are in the presence of pain. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but, yeah. But, and the opportunity to love somebody through that yes. is probably the only way for them to experience some kind of presence of God I feel like in that exactly. in that bottom yeah. um, lowest situation exactly just just that that, that presence the ministry mm-hmm. of presence yeah. as they call it um, and, and also trying to be listening to them knowing yeah. that you're not called to be the answer mm-hmm. to every question they have yeah. God knows how to answer his questions. Um, Ooh, that's a good one. It may be today, yeah. maybe two years after, 20 years after, mm. but eventually he knows when and what, how to say it best. I think that's the thing I'm struck by with this conversation, just your overwhelming trust. Like you have a huge level of trust. <laughs> yeah. That's a big deal. Um, I think... The one who's been forgiven more loves more, I guess. Ooh. Uh, trusts <laughs> more. Um, 
I mean, I I have been this guy who's grown up. I mean, through my teenage life, and I was a real teenager. Mm. And I have seen God walk with me. In mm. times, God has taught me lessons that are really, really uh, painful, uh, the hard way. And I think, um, yeah, just just talking about my life for the last thirty four years tells you I'm growing old. Um, <laughs> it's 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 been a walk that I have seen God involved mm. in throughout. Like for instance, I think this past year uh, we have had a lot of issues around spirituality and mental health. Um, just trying to work with these people made me feel I I need first to halt my. I, I have been doing my master's degree in leadership and management and, and I felt at this point as much as it's important I, I need to halt it first and look for a way that I can actually do clinical medicine mm. so that it answers the questions that people are answering mm. and helps people deal with their real issue. And so at some point I get to that part where if it's not adding value to the people I'm serving, then I don't need it. And that, that's actually a big deal to to put a professional thing on hold for the people you're doing. I actually had a similar experience this year. I was yeah. applying for an uh-huh. education program. Yes. That I think would be it would be really good. Uh, yeah. But I could, but I had to stop and think: Is this yeah. actually? helping me help the people I care about? Is it helping me serve the people I'm here to serve? Yeah. Yes. No, yes. at the end of the day, it would be fun, it would be interesting, but it's a distraction from my actual work. Exactly. And I need to stop and I need to focus. Um, yeah. And for me, actually, a lot of times focus is just having the having time and, and energy to be available and be present and... Just yeah. to, to walk around the hospital and, exactly. and run into somebody and have a conversation and connect. Exactly. And, and, and that brightens up people's lives yeah. greatly. Mm. Um, there's nothing great as someone just getting to realize that there's someone actually who doesn't even know me. Mm. Doesn't know where I come from, but they actually care about me. Ooh. Um, I mean, I don't think there's a greater way to point people to Christ. Mm. I remember a guy who went to um, seminary ahead of me and after class, if he didn't have a class and he was not in the library, he would be away evangelizing. Just around the community. And throughout, that was his life. And so everyone called him evangelist. Um, But three months after his graduation, he passed home. And it was a great testimony to everyone because everyone felt that He has done his part. I mean, he put his priorities right. And, I mean, getting academic accolades is great and getting a lot of them. It gives you a lot of titles and it makes you feel important. But you have not realized your importance until you have lived a significant life. And I think significance is ideally about what value do I add to people. That's the most important bit. And, and, And I think... God just quickens our hearts every day towards this. That's that would be a great billboard. Yes, significance is what you what value you add to people. Exactly. Right, significant is not what you get. Yeah, it's what you it's give. It's what you give. It's it's ideally that 
I had John Maxwell once talk about significance. Significance is actually the place where you leave a legacy. Mm. And mm. that success is when you add value to yourself. But significance is when you add value to others. And that you actually leave a legacy. You leave a legacy at significance, not at success. Wow. Um, because success has been all about you. Significance has been about what you have been to others. And that's Christ. I think looking throughout his life, if we chose to be Christocentric, then it would be about what we give, not what we say for ourselves. And so at the end of the day, the question is, how do I become more effective and efficient in what I give? And so that it has a lasting influence in people's lives. And that's really wise the way you just said that, though. Yeah. How do I become effective at that? Because it's not just to give until there's nothing left of you. Yeah. It's giving in a way. Again, that can be selfish. Like, exactly. You know, I'm just giving and giving and giving until I have nothing left and yeah. look at me. But giving in a way that actually helps the people you're trying to serve. Exactly. Yeah. Might be different from, you know, abjectly you know pouring yourself out in a yeah. non-effective way exactly. like that there's still logic sure. and still a lot of purpose to it yes um and that actually i think giving in healthy ways sometimes is very i mean sometimes you're pouring yourself out completely but also i think if it's in line with your gifts and in line with um with god's giving you yes it can be very fulfilling Personally, also. Oh, yeah, really. I mean, that's where you find your satisfaction at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. That's how you find a satisfaction in a calling. Yeah. Um, and that's how you find peace. You may actually not carry much, a lot at home. Mm-hmm. Times you probably may not even have enough for yourself mm-hmm. and family. But the fact that you're actually living your purpose is great. Christ was purposeful in everything that he did, including the last breath he gave out. He was purposeful. I think that's a calling. Mm. Yeah. How do you mean with the last breath he gave out? It added value. It was all to the glory of, of his... So he first talked to the Father and told him, into your hands I hand over my my breath. And so he just didn't even breathe last purposelessly. He breathed it out into the hands yeah. of of, of God the Father, so that God would use it to bring redemption around here. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's how. And okay, so this go, this goes back to seminary. Also, I didn't go to seminary, yeah. but I, I narrowly <laughs> escaped. You are neighbor, exactly. <laughs> yes. But but the the Hebrew word for breath and spirit are the same word, right? Yeah. So sometimes mm-hmm. it's translated breath as spirit. Yes. But it, but it's the same thing. I, so I give you my life. I yes. give you my spirit. Exactly. I give you my breath. Yes. 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 Interesting. And and it all goes back to the fact that you remember God mm-hmm. created man, yeah, and put in him what breath, the life giving breath, it mm-hmm. came from God, mm-hmm. and so I mean whatever comes from God has to go back to Him mm-hmm. with value. Mm-hmm. I mean, God is a good investor; He does His thing wisely. So, yeah. So when Christ is actually giving back His life. To the Father, he gives it back with a wild saint, a whole redeemed world. It is finished. So Christ gave it back to God, actually full of value, a redemption of a world. I think everything that we give, including 
even smiles. Mm. It should be purposeful. It should be right from the heart. And it should have the concept of bringing back good fruit to God. Wow, that's amazing. One other question I have for you. Yeah. Because a lot of people who would listen to this are are people who come out as short-term visitors. Um, yes. somebody, you know, people who come and come into the hospital. Is there anything that they should know about just about what it's like to interact with hospital staff? Is somebody coming in from outside for a short time? That's that's a very important question. Because a lot of people come to Christian institutions thinking that it's next to heaven. Uh, they forget that these are normal people who have their own struggles and each one of us are in different places when it comes to sanctification. All of us are growing. And so one of the most important bits is uh, they should always come with the question of what value can I add to the lives of these dear ones and what value can they add into my life? Um, I think that's one of the greatest questions that they can keep asking throughout. That's a yes. great perspective. It actually, it's making two assumptions. Yes. It's both, I have something to, to offer, yeah. and I have something to learn. Exactly. Uh, and having that's both right. of those attitudes simultaneously, yeah. I think is, that's a really good attitude toward life in general. And interestingly, it builds trust amongst people, mm. because people cannot work together unless there's trust. With that openness and mm. that open-heartedness, um, but as for someone who is coming here, um, you want to carry a very objective mm-hmm. um, that these people are actually made in the image of God as I am in the image of God. Mm-hmm. That means there's a lot for me to take from them. There's a lot for them to take from me in terms of learning. So mm-hmm. it's mutual and that calls for trust. Trust has to be from a very objective kind of understanding. Mm. Uh, and 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 also, I mean, the people who are on the receiving end also need to get to realize that these people mm. are not coming here because they have everything they need. They are also looking for opportunities to serve, mm. and these are great foundation for them to carry the right perspective mm. as they come around. So the question is always, why has God opened opened this opportunity for me? Mm. Uh, because probably. It's a smile that I need to share with someone, and that mm. may be all. Yeah. It may be actually something really is insignificant in quotes, mm. uh, but it may mean everything to someone. Yeah. yeah. I feel like there's really, really great value in noticing people. There's these universal principles, right? Exactly. And sure. Somebody being noticed and feeling valued, and um, it is, it's just huge for somebody to think, wow, um, this person from, you know, whether it's from Kamende or yeah. whether it's from Atlanta, yeah. mm-hmm. yes. this person is genuinely interested in who I am. Exactly. I think that is such That's- a powerful Yes. And it's quite an intentional approach Mm. to people. And I think that's how God would want it to be for us. Mm. Um, When when I'm talking about death a lot of times, Mm. I ask people the question of what is death according to them? And I think one of the greatest analogies I've ever had about death is that death is a separation. Separation of the physical and the non-physical. 
And then I get to the question of asking, this person speaking in me, right? I mean, my, I'm, I'm dark, right? That's my complexion. My, and you're white, right? But that person speaking in me, have you ever met him? Live alone in this body. Mm. Well, I know you've never seen him. Mm. Are you able to tell his complexion? Can't be able to tell his height. All right, let's assume that you're a surgeon. Um, where does he hang inside this body? I don't think so. I don't think you're able to see him. Mm. You see this, what we call a tent, mm. and then there's a real person. Mm. And I think, truly, we have tribes, we have different ethnic groups, mm-hmm. and we have different, I mean, citizenship and all that. But that person speaking in me is actually the person that I am. And the truth is, that person probably has no gender, that person has no complexion, that is the real me. And if we can learn to look for that person in every person we meet, then we realize that they are people are dignified and people are the same. At the end of the day, that is a person who God breathed in this body and he lived. At the end of the day, that is the image of God in us. We will learn to see beyond complexions and we will learn to see beyond tribes. We will learn to see as God sees and that's wisdom. Wow. Yes. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Benjay. Uh, that's amazing. That's a good way to close.